You ache all over, the pain is unmerciful, like daggers piercing every pore of your skin. Blood drips from your nose and you can taste it in your mouth. The cough is constant, inhale, cough, inhale, cough, like a drummer pounding on your chest all day and night. The town once busy, vibrant and alive, now silent, dark and dead. As you walk to check on your family, you pass coffins leaving houses. Some were just in boxes. When the disease came to your home, you are immediately cut off. No visitors, no leaving. But you hadn't heard from your parents in so long and feared for their health. You enter the house, it's deathly silent. Slowly, you ascend the stairs, catching your breath at the top. You enter the bedroom. Your father looks to be asleep, but he's grey and cold to the touch. You sigh. Your mother's back faces you. Was she gone too? And then she coughs. This was the flu pandemic 1968, also known as the Hong Kong flu. And this is the good, the bad, and the pure evil. The first record of the outbreak was on July 13, 1968, in what was known as British Hong Kong. There is speculation, although not confirmed, it began in China and spread to Hong Kong. The outbreak would reach max intensity within two weeks. It lasted six weeks, infecting about 50,000. Deaths were low and symptoms appeared mild. Two waves of this flu would happen between July to September 1968 and then June to December 1970. Just 10 years earlier in 1957 and 1958, there would be a lethal pandemic of influenza, but little had been done to improve or prepare for handling future epidemics. August 13, 1968, it would become clear to virologists that this Hong Kong strain was different from previous strains, but weren't at least at the time thought to be completely new from the previous one. August 16th, the WHO, World Health Organization, warned there could be a worldwide spread of this virus. Outbreaks of this flu would pop up second week of August in Singapore. This gave the indication that the disease was spreading outside Hong Kong. Outbreaks were also beginning to be seen in the Philippines, Malaysia and by month's end in Vietnam. Early August, the UK reported its first known case. An infant and her mother in London were affected. They had no history of travel and had no known contact with someone from the Far East. A few isolated cases popped up here and there over the next few weeks, but in September, large outbreaks began mainly in school settings. Also in September, it reached India, North Australia, Thailand and Europe. By the end of September, it had hit the US, as it was carried home by troops who were in Vietnam War, but it wouldn't be widespread in the US until December 1968. In September, 2,000 people from 92 countries met in Tehran for the 8th International Congress on Tropical Medicine and Malaria. 
a large group inside, perfect for spreading the disease. So a flu outbreak erupted, infecting at least one third of the people there. The convention outbreak was linked to a larger one that happened within the city, soon spreading fast through Iran. The virus hit Japan many times in August and September, but didn't create big outbreaks. Early October, mainly from schools, the first true epidemic began. The USSR would confirm its first case in December. By 1969, it reached Africa and South America. So the 1968 flu pandemic would first appear like the 1957 pandemic. It spread freely in the spring and in the summer, becoming widespread by October. At this point, most countries had either their first or second wave of this flu. But differences were soon seen. In 1968, many countries like the UK didn't see outbreaks at first, even though the virus was known since the August and September. Epidemics of the virus didn't come about until the winter months, flu's favourite season. But these were mild in symptoms, especially when compared later to the US. In some countries, again like the UK, it wasn't until the winters of 1969 and 1970 that the severity of the epidemic took effect. When the outbreak happened, the Hong Kong flu was also called the Mao flu. Hong Kong flu wasn't the term used in the area. The press called it the killer flu once deaths started to emerge. Near in August, the South China Morning Post would predict that the Hong Kong would be blamed by not raising the alarm sooner. When the name emerged, a city councillor would claim it would damage Hong Kong's reputation. He would request that foreign press and health organisations use the proper name, China Flu. The Asian Flu would be another name floating about at the time. Worldwide deaths from the virus peaked December 1968 and January 1969. Berlin would see the dead stored in subway tunnels. West Germany bin collectors had to bury the dead as undertakers couldn't keep up. 60,000 deaths from the virus were reported in Germany. In France, some places, half of the workers were bedridden from the virus. This grinded manufacturing to a snail pace. In the UK, the posts and rail services also were hit hard, with many workers struck down with the virus. So in the US, June 1968, the CDC would forecast zero activity of the flu virus 1968-1969. to this was based on the major epidemic of 1967 to 1968. The vaccines for the upcoming flu season used strains of the current circulation flu and was mainly given to the over 45s or the chronically ill. But with the Hong Kong outbreak and seeing there was different variant, the CDC changed its forecast to be a large outbreak across the country. It would keep the advice that the older and the chronic sick get the vaccines and recommended that this group also get vaccinated with a more up-to-date vaccine when one became available to the new variant. First cases of the new virus appeared September 2nd in Atlanta. A Marine Corps major was the first. Just four days after coming home from Vietnam, he would become sick. Next, his wife became ill. The first outbreak would happen in the Marine Corps school. 
the same week as the major. More of these military outbreaks would happen with Southeast Asia connections, seeing it emerge by mid-September. Other cases would emerge from people returning from Far East, and this scattered the virus across the US in September. The first civilian outbreak emerged in October, increasing throughout November, hitting 21 states by Thanksgiving. December affected 50 states. Outbreaks hit schools, colleges and hospitals, with some areas having 40% ill. Reports of absentee of students and nurses grew and grew. It grew so much that the Greater New York Hospital Association urged staff to impose visitor restriction to keep patients safe. Students would finish early for the holidays due to the sickness. With the virus about, sales were hit with less people going out and less money being spent. Industries were also hit with employees out sick. December 18th, reports came that the US President Johnson was hospitalized with flu-like symptoms. Now whether it was or wasn't the new flu is still unclear. By December 22nd, he was back in the White House. The Vice President Hubert Humphrey was also said to be sick at the same time. As well as National Security Advisor Rostow, Press Secretary Johnson and Joint Chiefs of Staff General Wheeler. It also came out on December 23rd that President-elect Nixon fell sick with the flu. The peak happened about late December, early January, with holiday season it's quite hard to give an exact time, but activity did start to decline in January. In December, more would die from flu pneumonia and this increased as the month went on, peaking by mid-January. It wasn't until late March that the mortality rates declined to within normal levels. There wouldn't be a second wave in this season. After Epidemic A, outbreaks of Influenza B started in late January, continuing until March. Outbreaks would be mostly within schools. It wasn't until 1968-1969 that the flu season became first documented. Instance of two major influenza A epidemics to happen season after season. Given this, in the June 1969, the CDC would claim sporadic cases would happen the next season, 1969 to 1970. This would be sort of correct. It was less than the thought, but higher than usual. The flu affected 48 states the next season, but only widespread in six. It started to become apparent this flu was a new variation and protection was needed. Production of previous vaccines in the US concluded July 1968 and a supply of fertilized chicken eggs was in short. These eggs is how the flu vaccines are grown. The Division of Biologics of the National Institute of Health would provide the first cultures of the virus for manufacturing for preliminary studies. A strain isolated in Japan was sent to the US, showing great potential for vaccine production, so it was given to manufacturers in September. Maurice Hillman was a microbiologist in the US and was head of the virus and vaccination research programs at Merck Co. They were one of the licensed vaccine manufacturers in the US. Maurice was the director of the Department of Respiratory Disease at the Army Medical School 
and he would actually proceed in 1957 to pandemic and start a vaccine production back then. He was similarly as important in the 1968 pandemic vaccine development. Thanks to the Japanese strain, early production could happen. Merck and Co. would produce 9 million doses of the vaccine. A total of 21 doses would be produced by Merck and Co., Ellie Lilly and Co., Leaderly Laboratories, Park Davis and Co., the National Drug Company, and White Laboratories. All but White would have been involved in the 1957 vaccine production. November 15th, 66 days after production of the Japanese strain became available. 110,000 doses of the first batch of vaccine was released. Most of these went to the armed forces. This was actually quicker than the 1957 vaccine, which took 90 days from when the production strain became available. The press and public figures would show great interest in the vaccine. November 18th, Pharmaceutical Manufacturers Association announced 17.5 million doses would be given to civilians, but wouldn't come until after the new year. 10 million doses would be released by year's end. At this stage, influenza was rampant in the country. Public figures would receive it before civilians. The crew of Apollo 8 would be vaccinated December 3rd, a month before their mission. President Johnson got two types of vaccine before his December flu hit. It's never be confirmed if one of these two was the actual pandemic vaccine. Now Johnson, even removing the fact he was president of the US, he also was in his 60s and in poor health with hospital stays many times while president. So he would have been prioritized for the vaccine based on the CDC recommendation, regardless of his president position. Vaccines would be released throughout January 1969 hitting 21 million doses by month's end. At this time, the flu's activity and mortality had peaked. Demand for the vaccine wasn't as high and a lot of it remained in stock. These extra stocks were given to Southern Hemisphere and Europe where the main outbreak had yet to happen. The Japanese strain would be incorporated into the vaccine of 1969 to 1970 for the flu season in the US. Outside the US, vaccinations were done in many countries in anticipation of an epidemic. Japan, from 1963, would carry out mass vaccinations yearly against the flu, regardless of an epidemic or not. They started immunisation of children and then those working in crowded areas. 24 million would be produced each year in Japan. This was the aim come 1968 hitting the same group as they did in the typical flu season. The same Japanese strain used in production in the US for vaccines would also be sent to several manufacturing firms in Japan. The new vaccine would have two parts new variants and one part influenza B, rather than the US monovalent vaccine. The aim was to vaccinate 12 million by the end of October with children as the main group, but delays would happen so the aim wasn't met until the year's end. Yugoslavia got the Japanese strain by mid-October 
and would begin its large-scale trial production. 10 million pandemic vaccine doses were ready by mid-January 1969, and by the end of February, 1 million people were vaccinated. 100,000 of these were held for mass vaccinations of school-going children. Denmark's Staten Serum Institute produced 200,000 doses in the winter of 1968 to 1969, with a strain isolated in Stockholm, but the yield was poor. Millions of doses were available in South Africa before the epidemic hit in March 1969. By January 1969, vaccine production started at the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, CSL, in Australia. This vaccine had two influenza A strains and one B strain and was to be released by March for their, for their winter flu season. The CSL spokesman described the new virus as the worst flu we had ever had. Pensioners Federation of Australia recalled that the vaccine should be given free. Australia would end up exporting 1 million doses from Britain because availability issues began to appear in the March. Minister for Health Jim Forbes would describe the new type of flu as mild compared to others. Forbes would assure that all medical practitioners would be able to acquire the vaccine by mid-April. Despite this assurance, on April 9th, a letter would be sent to all doctors advising not to vaccinate healthy groups until all at-risk groups were inoculated. Distribution and production was very slow. April 22nd, Forbes testified in the House of Representatives regarding vaccine issues. The CSL would be called to explain what exactly was happening. April 25th, the Department of Health reported they had to re-import the remaining vaccines from the order of 1 million that the government had exported from Britain in January. It would be sent to Britain packaged there then come back to Australia and sold to doctors at nearly 50% markup. Doctors criticised poor planning with the vaccine and the decision to export when it was already peaked in Australia. They would go on to blame the shortage on the public overreacting. The health department would explain the re-import was for the pensioners and denied involvement in commercial sales of vaccines. By the end of April, 2.8 million doses were produced and sent out. 250,000 a week were then produced, with half a million more by May. The new variant H3N2 displaced the 1957 H2N2 and returned during 1969 to 1970 flu season resulted in a second wave which was deadlier than the previous with waves of deaths in Europe, Japan and Australia. This new variant still remains in circulation today as a strain of seasonal flu. The H3N2 pandemic flu contains genes from a low pathogenic avian influenza virus. It had got a new hemagglutiny gene and a new PB1 gene while having pre-existent human H2N2 strain. The new hemagglutiny helped H3N2 evade immunity in humans. It is possible the new PB1 helped viral replication 
on human-to-human -human transmission. The new subtype would arise in pigs, co-infected with avian and human viruses, and soon would transfer to humans. Pigs were thought to be the orig original intermediate host for flu influenza because they supported reassortment of divergent subtypes. But other hosts appeared capable and direct transmission of avian viruses to humans was possible. Deaths due to the 1968 flu pandemic very dependent on the organisation reporting the figures. The WHO would estimate it was between 1 to 4 million, while the CDC estimated at 1 million. The rates were lower than most of the other 20th century pandemics. The virus could spread with no restrictions on the economy, and vaccines in the US came about four months after it started. Fewer died this pandemic than before because of some immunity retained from the pandemic in 1957. It didn't gain speed until school holidays. Improved medical care and the availability of antibiotics also hampered it. Although not the worst of pandemics, the 1968 flu pandemic still hit hard and would cause havoc until it was tamed and managed. Thanks for listening. Next time I'll be looking at Jane Toppin. Known as Jolly Jane, she was an American serial killer in the 1880s. She eventually confessed to 31 murders, but only 12 could be confirmed. She would say her ambition was to have killed more people, helpless people, than any other man or woman who ever lived. Until then, this was the good, the bad and the pure evil.